Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Episode 47. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host, and this podcast is officially dropping on Thanksgiving. And so... Still, as part of the Thanksgiving celebration, I'm going to steal a bit from a disc jockey friend of mine, Bobby Rich. Now, Bobby Rich was a jock at KFMB San Diego back in the 70s. And on Thanksgiving, he always used to have a feature called the Turkey Hour, in which he would play some of the worst, stupidest, cringe-worthy songs you have ever heard. And the key to these songs is that they were not comedy records. They were not meant to be funny. They just happened to be just excruciatingly hilarious. So with uh, apologies to Bobby Rich, I am going to play a few turkeys on the podcast today. Also, I'm going to talk about uh, pitching and some horror stories that my partner David Isaacs and I have had down through the years trying to pitch pilots and episodes of series. All writers have them. We have ours. And do you realize that we are almost coming up on the one-year anniversary of this podcast? And so I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. I'm going to try to get feedback from you. So a pretty full episode. Let's start with a turkey right now. Hollywood and the fine. Now the first one is William Shatner. God love him, William Shatner does his version of the Beatles classic Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Hold on to something and listen to this. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green towers. 
girl with the sun in her eyes, and she's gone. Horse people eat marshmallow pies. Everyone smiles as you drift past the flowers that grow so incredibly high. Newspaper taxis appear on the shore, waiting to take you away. Climb in the back with your head in the clouds, and you're gone. On a train in a station With plasticine porters With looking glass ties Suddenly, someone is there At the turnstile A girl with kaleidoscope eyes Lucy in the sky If you are a TV writer, part of your job is to pitch. You may be a great writer, but if you can't sell something in a room, you're never going to work. So it's a different skill set, yes, but you have to learn how to be able to pitch your pilot or your episode ideas. You really have to be a salesman in addition to being a writer. And every writer will tell you at least two or three horror stories about going in to pitch, because not all pitch meetings end very well. So I thought I would share a couple of the pitch meetings from hell that my partner David Isaacs and I have had over the years. And the first was actually one of our worst. And this was like way back in the mid-70s, and David and I were just starting out. And I think maybe we had sold to Jefferson's, possibly we had sold something else as well. But a friend of David's was a secretary, that's before they were writer's assistants, they were secretaries, to Herb Solo, who was the head of development for Hanna-Barbera. Hanna-Barbera, of course, is an animation studio, but at the time they were trying to get into live action, and so Herb Solo was put in charge of that. And again, we had it in with this secretary. So we said to her, could you do us a favor? We'd love to meet Herb Solo and come in and pitch some pilot ideas. So she said she'll see what she could do. And then about a week later, she called up and said, okay, you're on the books next Thursday at 3. So we came up with our pilot ideas and we got ourselves all dressed and went down to Hannah and Barbera, which, you know, to me was like Mecca anyway because of all of the great animations, like Top Cat came out of that place. So 
we walk into Herb Solo's office. We never met the man. And he gets up from his desk, and he was probably in his late 60s, early 70s then, cantankerous guy. And he goes, ah, you guys. So you're the guys who use those Hitler tactics to get a meeting with me. <laughs> well, that's a great opening. We were like, uh, what? Now, I have no idea what he meant by that. But then he continued, okay, I hope you're happy. You got your fucking meeting. Sit down and pitch me your fucking pilot ideas. Now, today, if something like that would happen, David and I would say, well, obviously there's been a misunderstanding. We don't want to waste any of your time. Thank you very much. And then we would leave. No, no, not back then. We were stupid. So we sat down. And we pitched our pilot ideas. I don't have to tell you, every single one he hated. No, that's stupid. That's terrible. Where'd you guys come from anyway? What the hell is this? We just got the living crap beaten out of us. And we pitched all five pilots and crawled out of his office. We asked the secretary, huh? Hitler tactics? She had no idea. Maybe he confused us with somebody else. But in any event, uh, that was a no sale. However, we did have better luck, believe it or not, the day after 9-11. We were slated to pitch a pilot to CBS. And obviously on 9-11, nobody called anybody. But on 9-12... We called CBS and we said, okay, um, what's another good date that we can reschedule the appointment for? And they said, no, no, come on in. And we were like, uh, really? <laughs> I mean, it was still kind of fresh by 9-12. No, no, busy schedule. Come on in and pitch your pilot. So we did. We came in at 4 o'clock. And we pitched our pilot and sold it. That, to me, is a great pitch. There was a show, it was actually a spinoff of Sanford and Son called Grady that was on NBC. And back in those days, again, when you're starting out, at least way back in the 70s, not so much anymore because there are very few freelance scripts that are given out. And if there are, they usually go to writer's assistants. But back in those days, the actual writing staff of a show was very small. And so they would fill out their script quota with five or six freelance writers. And you can go around and make a a living writing freelance scripts. You would go in and you would pitch six or seven ideas, and if they bought one, then you would be doing a Grady. So the people from Grady had read our sample material and liked it and invited us to come in and pitch. And they were located on the NBC lot in Burbank. So again, a three o'clock meeting, and my partner and I get all dressed up, and we drive over the hill to Burbank, and we get to the Grady office, and it's locked. We're jiggling the door, and it's locked. Now, that's odd. I mean, this is like a Wednesday in the middle of production. How can the office be locked? 
we figure, well, maybe somebody just left for five minutes and uh, didn't want anybody coming in, stealing the coffee machine. I don't know. So we stood around for like a half an hour. Nobody came. And so finally we called our agent, which back then meant we had to find a phone booth. We called our agent and said, the door is locked at Grady. She goes, that's weird. She said, hang on. Let me see if I can figure out what's going on. She goes back on the line a couple of minutes. She says, oh, they were canceled an hour ago. (laughs) Well, no sale there either. We also did not get a Laverne and Shirley episode, but we did go in to pitch. And it was us and one other client from our agent. And we show up at Paramount with our ideas to pitch to Marty Nadler. And the other client of our agent shows up, very attractive young woman, wearing a complete see-through blouse. I don't have to tell you who got the assignment. Then there was the movie meeting at Fox, and I remember the executive's name was Dylan Sellers. This was also an afternoon meeting, and David and I pull on to the lot. David was driving. As we get out of the car, and again, I swear to God, this is a true story. My pants in the back split right down the ass crack. And I'm not talking a (laughs) two-inch split. I'm talking right down the ass crack. Well, we have a 4 o'clock meeting. It's 3.55. I don't have time to go home and change my pants. So what do you do? Well, we keep the meeting. And so what we did is I remember walking into his office and and I just scooted along the wall. It was very strange because he would come out and uh, reach over, shake our hand, and I would just kind of wave to him because I couldn't get more than a couple of feet <laughs> from the wall. So... We sat down. Fortunately, there was a couch that was up against the wall and we did our pitch and it was over and I shimmied my way out of the room. It sounds like a sketch. I know it sounds like a sitcom bit. We didn't sell that movie either, but he had no idea. There was a time a few years ago, this was when Jeff Zucker was programming NBC And we had a meeting to pitch a pilot idea to NBC. And we pick up the trades that morning. There's a big article from Jeff Zucker saying, NBC will no longer do scripted material from 8 to 9. Remember, this was the period where Jay Leno was on prime time from 10 to 11. So that meant there was only one hour a night 
that NBC possibly would do scripted material because they were still doing Dateline and shows like that. So, <laughs> again, we have to drive all the way across over the hill and we get to NBC and we sit down and I said, can I ask you guys a question first? I said, sure. And I said, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to buy any of this stuff. You can't buy anything. And they said, oh, no, no, we can still buy you know, some things. It's like, no, you can't. Anyway, we pitched and we didn't sell. Yeah, that's, that's really good for morale. As you walk into NBC hearing that we are no longer taking scripted material. And a final pitch at NBC. And this time... The head of development was named Cheryl Dolans. And we had known Cheryl Dolans because for about a year, maybe two, she was a production assistant on Cheers. Cheryl Dolans was the one who would take our lunch orders. And now here we are pitching to her at NBC. And, of course, I'm thinking... Oh, my God, did I ever ask her to take the patty melt back? So we go in, and, you know, you always try to break the ice at these meetings. And so it's me and David and Cheryl and her minion, four or five other assistants who are all taking notes. And we sat down, and the first thing we did was order lunch. We gave her our lunch order. And, of course, all of the assistants were just appalled. <laughs> How could we do that? But Cheryl thought it was very funny. And then didn't buy the pitch. Oh, yeah, I think she did. Anyway, those are just a couple of our pitch stories. If you know any comedy writer, ask them, and I'm sure they will delight you for at least a half an hour with horrible pitch stories. I mean, it's a rite of passage. It's part of the gig. More Hollywood and Levine after this. And now another turkey for your edification. Again, this is not a comedy record. This is a song that this singer thought was actually really good. It is Blue Hawaii the Hawaiian classic, as done by Eilert Peelarm. See what you think of this. Love you and 
scary example of time marching on my blog is 12 years old this month can you believe it i have been posting something new every day in my blog for 12 years and i'm coming up on the one year anniversary of this podcast in a couple of weeks which is a big deal for me too anyway one of the features that i always do in my blog i do it about once a year is that i invite the readers to tell me about themselves you know i send these things out i have no idea who is reading or in the case of the podcast who is listening so i'll take a day and i'll ask everybody to just chime in with a comment on who they are where they're from, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, hey, I'll do the same thing with a podcast. The only thing is you're going to have to email me. Oh, I know it's a big burden, but I really would appreciate it, even though I don't have anything to give away. But if you could answer some of these questions and just shoot me an email at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Again, that is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I would appreciate it, and it would kind of help me come up with programming that better suits all of you. So here are some of the questions. Number one, when do you listen to this podcast? In the morning, late at night? Uh, Do you listen in your car when you're going to and from work, during your morning workout, in bed while you're supposed to be having sex, on the computer at night while you're just surfing the net? When you're trying to get to sleep and you have insomnia, it's the perfect antidote for that. How and when do you listen to this podcast? And do you listen every week? Also, do you like it when I have guests? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I don't have a guest every week, and I'll tell you why. I'll be very honest. Because if I did an interview every single week, then this podcast just becomes me as a booking agent trying to track people down. And sometimes the people that I might get are not very interesting. So I would rather just have interviews when I come up with interesting people. And I also try to find some people that you don't hear on other broadcasts or other podcasts. Anyway, that's the way I do it. Uh, Do you like when I have guests or do you just prefer when I just uh, shoot the breeze with you here? Is there anything that you hate? Do you listen all at one time or do you kind of break it up? Listen 10 minutes now and then 10 minutes later in the day. It's probably a little bit easier to do on this podcast as opposed to some others because there are different segments. Have you subscribed yet? 
he asks, trying to make you feel guilty. How many other podcasts do you listen to? You one of those people that listens to 20, 30 podcasts a week? Or do you listen to one or two or three? And do you listen, like I said, every week? Or do they kind of pile up? That's something that kind of happens with me. I'll get behind a couple of weeks, and then I'll be in the car, and then I'll just uh, catch up. Is that the way you listen? How long have you been listening to the podcast? Have you been around since the beginning? Did you hop aboard in May, in April? Was it the Kevin Smith interview that first attracted your attention? How did you hear about the podcast? Was it through somebody else, word of mouth, through the blog, like I said, Kevin Smith, the fact that I guessed it on a couple of other podcasts and mentioned it. You know, it's not like I advertise. How did you find the podcast? And now a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you located? I mean, don't have to give me your street address, but you know, what town, where in the world are you? How old are you? Are you male, female, one of the new transgender varieties? All of these things are interesting to me. And like I said, it really does help me design programming that I know you guys are going to like. You know, it's not like talk radio where I have phone numbers and people can just call up and say what they like and they don't. Uh, You are listening at your convenience. And so I need to know via email, what you like, what you don't like. Again, I wish I had something to give away, but I don't. I'll have other things later, maybe more scripts and things. But again, the email address is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Thank you so much for listening. Back with more after this. And our final turkey of the episode. There was a very popular song in 1958, I believe, called The Purple People Eater. And it was clearly a novelty song done by Sheb Woolley. This is a cover version of The Purple People Eater done by Judy Garland. That's right, Judy Garland singing... The Purple People Eater. Enjoy. Then I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. Yes. I saw a thing coming out of the sky. It had one long horn and one big eye. I commenced shaking and I said, Ooh, it looks like a purple people eater to me. You had one light, one horn, flying purple people eater. One eyed, one horn, flying purple people eater. One eyed, one horn, flying purple people eater. Sure looks strange to me. Well, he came down to earth and he lit in the tree. I said, Mr. Purple People Eater, don't eat me. He looked at me and then he said, I wouldn't eat you because you is red. One eyed, flying purple people eater. One horn, flying purple people eater. One eyed, one horn, flying purple people eater. Sure looks strange to me. Your line. He said, eating purple people and it sure is fine. But that's not the reason that I came to land. I want to get a job in a rock and roll band. Well, bless my soul, rock and roll, flying purple people. Pigeon old underworld, flying purple people. He wears short shorts, flying purple people eater. Sure looks strange. 
once again, I would love to hear from you, especially this week. What you like about the podcast? What don't you like about the podcast? Who are you? Where are you from? Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. Again, Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. I will write you back. I will do that. I don't have anything to give you, but I will write you back personally and thank you. Speaking of thanks, our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, and Randy Thomas. We will see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye.